Oh, this song is dope. song is the best. Hey, this is Lenny D'Angelo. Ah, uh, and that was Def Leppard. Oh my goodness. I tell you what, I never tire of Def Leppard. Uh, it's the truth. I'm sorry. I know, it ain't popular, but it, it is what it is. They make some good catchy shit. I don't know. Give, cut them a break, huh? They weren't trying to change the world. They're trying to get you to tap your foot and stuff. Right? Right. Rock it. Rock it, baby. Come out! So good. I'll be your satellite of love right here. Listen up. I've been doing a, a lot of discussing of uh, drawing practices and and, uh, and whatnot. And I've been having a hard time getting through the first uh, initial uh, uh, setup of a drawing. And I think that's the, really what I've been trying to get at the whole time. Is how do you get started? And okay, I'm going to try to do it simple. I'm, you break it down. When you get started on a drawing... Don't concern yourself with the three-dimensional space. Don't concern yourself too much with uh, with all the small details. It's a large to small situation. And that's kind of what you need to keep in mind when you get started. It takes some of the fear of failure out of the equation, right? Because you can't really fail at, at, a, at a 2D abstraction that's very geometric and flat. You can't really fail at that. If I ask you to draw four straight lines and connect the corners and make a box, and it doesn't have to be a perfect box, you just make a box. You could probably do that without a lot of pressure on. That's what I've been trying to get at. When you get started with an observational drawing, think of it as that exercise. How do I draw a bunch of straight lines to sort of connect uh, shapes until it be- starts to become or resemble something, a- an abstraction of the thing that I'm observing. That's all. That's the entire exercise. Uh, there isn't a whole lot more than that in the beginning. In the beginning, it obviously, as the drawing progresses, it gets more and more complicated. But it, it, just to get started and to understand where you're coming from uh, in the beginning, <clears throat> it's a matter of that. <clears throat> See, here are the things I want to keep in mind when starting an observational drawing. And the number one is the composition. Where on the page am I starting to draw? Where on a page am I going to create this small illusion? Is it going to be the entire page? Is it going to be in a one corner of the page? And here's a little exercise. Divide the page up into fourths. And just make a decision that your drawing's going to start in the upper fourth, whichever one you want, or the lower fourth. You're saving the rest of the paper to just sit there. And you do that as an exercise. And yeah, it's probably not going to look very interesting, but it's important to be able to accomplish that. That's all I've been trying to say. You give yourself a space in which to work on the page that's intentional. Okay, it's it's to be intentional. It doesn't matter at this point whether or not it's beautiful. It doesn't matter if you understand the why. All that matters is you're able to do it with intention. You're not just drawing an eyeball in the upper fourth of your page and waiting until you get to the feet uh, seven hours later to discover that you can't fit them both on the page. I do it with intention. This is accomplished by making small marks 
<clears throat> in the section you want to work in. Small marks to indicate where to be, where the top, where the bottom, and where the left and right sides would be. A small frame within the larger frame, with intention. Okay. Then it's a matter of dividing that small frame into fourths as well. What is the halfway point of the small frame? What is vertically and horizontally? Okay. That's number two. Then it's a matter of taking the space that you see in front of you and finding the vertical and horizontal midpoints of the real space and transferring those to the drawing using the marks that you've made as reference, as a guide. That's all. <clears throat> when you start making marks, you're thinking of it in terms of creating a 2D thing. We're not creating dimensionality at this point. I'm just documenting the edges. Where is the left side of this subject that I'm looking at? Where is the right side? Where is the top and the bottom? All of that is a two-dimensional way of thinking. Then you get into specific measurements. How far to the right or left is this object? Can I find landmarks on here that give me a way to compare uh, one section with another so that when I go back to the page, I can compare one section with another on the page as well? It's a measuring, it's, it's composing, and it's all happening in 2D flat space. All of this is very abstract at this point. If anyone other than an artist were to look at that, they may not understand what you're going for, but that's, that, that doesn't matter. What you've done basically is a mapping exercise. You've given yourself enough information so that when you start getting into details, those details are in the right spot. You're working with something, not nothing. <coughs> That's the entire point. It's a sketching exercise, really. And if it was pencils down at that point, you'd have enough on a page that you could, from memory perhaps, or to a point, uh, develop that drawing further from memory just using the landmarks that you've created. And a very good exercise would be to get this far in the drawing stage, right? I've put it on my page. I've documented the edges. I've measured back and forth a few times, and I understand where certain landmarks fall. And I've made marks on my page to indicate where those are. It will be a really good exercise at that point to uh, take the reference material away, to take the subject away, and then try to document what you have from memory using the marks that you've made. That would be a good exercise. That would be an interesting exercise. Uh, and it would help you to understand that, the, the point of the... Yeah, maybe that's so much you try there. That's worth a try. Okay. What happens next? So once you've got a, an overall mapping, right? What, and I've said before, this is like taking the uh, the silhouette, the edges of the silhouette to a point, uh, using straight lines, small marks, light marks, sketchy lines, getting the silhouette, getting some of the inside edges of that. That's all there is to that. The next stage will be to understand the angle situation. What's the angle situation? What's the angle on this, huh? Uh, I don't know. What am I saying? Uh, the angle situation is that if you're if you're in a if you have a still life with a with a or an observation a subject that has straight lines, this is a very 
straightforward exercise. Forgive the pun. If you have a human figure or a tree branch or a number of other organic objects, the, the inorganic off, often has a straight line situation going on. Straights, parallels, uh, right angles. Very human to love those things. And it's easier to build. I think that's really what it comes down to. It's, if anybody ever tried to build with wood, as soon as you start cutting angles and trying to get shapes, forget it. it the whole thing is hard. <clears throat> But right angles and straight lines, simple process, right? Machines are good at that. People are good at understanding that. Okay. Even with a situation where it's a tree branch or a human limb, limb or limb, uh, there are uh, more or less a straight-ish angle that you can measure. And you measure that by taking your drawing implement in your thumb and forefinger. And balancing it like the scales of justice, as I've said. Putting that out in front of you, straight in front of you, right? And trying to find perfect horizontal, perfect vertical. By tipping the drawing implement either to the side or up, right? That's perfect horizontal. This is perfect vertical. What is in between? I mean, you can rotate that thing 360 degrees if your hand would move right. But it doesn't. You gotta, you gotta take a pause. So you can do... Uh, what is that? 180. Your wrist is pretty good at doing a 180. All right? That's from straight vertical to reversed vertical, right? That's a 180. And then a 90 degree will be from vertical to horizontal. You guys know that. Everybody, you guys. What are we on? Utopia. Uh, everybody knows that from math or whatever. All right. So what is the angle that you see in front of you? And, and, and much like the other sighting techniques I've mentioned, sighting is the exercise where you hold a drawing implement in front of you or, an, or a stick or even your fingers, and you measure in, in real space uh, using the p- imaginary picture plane that sits beyond your fingers, just beyond, floating in space, closing one eye, uh, doing a wink and a, and a head tilt and, and seeing the, uh, the space in front of you, the real space with your hand in the middle. Your hand represents the picture plane. The drawing implement is the uh, measuring tool. Right? Right. So you can take the direct angle measurement by just turning that tool, rotating it uh, as in a half circle-ish to the left, to the right, up and down, right? Rotating it until you find the right, the angle, not the right angle, but the correct angle. In space that you're observing by lining your tool up with the angle you see. Now, if we could have a a protractor sitting out in front of us, you could write that angle down. Oh, this is a 15 degree you can write that down. Oh, it's 15 degrees. I can see it on my invisible protractor that floats out in front of my face like I'm fucking Sherlock. Uh, we don't have that. We do not have. So what you have, really, is the ability to gauge with your mind, to judge. Now, if you hold that tool out in front of you with your arms locked and you put it in a, at an angle that you can see beyond, all you have to do is hold real still and unlock your elbow and move your hand back keeping the angle in your thumb and forefinger keeping that angle measurement as best you can 
and just go straight back to your paper and put that angle down, you see? When you hold your thumb and forefinger in the drawing implement in front of your paper this time, the angle should still be relatively in the same position it was when your arm was locked in front of you and you were looking at what was beyond, yes? If you can manage that little exercise, all you gotta do is hold that angle and make that mark. Where it goes, of course. And that's the hard part. So here's, here's the trick for that. You gotta learn to draw with the drawing implement as if it were uh, being pulled by an imaginary string from one end. <clears throat> Let me see if I can describe that with words. <clears throat> You have to imagine that. Well, how can I describe this? All right. Imagine a piece of chalk. And into one end of the chalk, we have screwed a screw eye. Does everybody know what a screw eye is? You know, it's, it's an... It looks like a ring with a screw on the end of it. Uh, it's similar to a, a cup hook that you might have in your cabinets, you know, those brass things that are hooks that you screw in. It's similar to that, except it makes a complete circle. Okay, it's a screw eye. I don't know, take a picture off your wall and look on the back. Sometimes they got those on the back. <clears throat> you have to imagine there's a screw eye in one end of the chalk. Why did I have to make this so literal? I, I guess I just do. Theater of the mind, everybody. For the YouTube audience. <clears throat> there is a screw eye in one end of the chalk. The other end of the chalk has been sharpened to a fine chisel point. On the opposite end, of the, with the one with the screw eye, we have tied a piece of string or a wire. That wire goes across the room to somebody who's going to pull it at some point. Okay. When that person pulls that string, that chalk moves in a straight line. This is a stupid analogy. All right, imagine it's just a, a track, like a sliding glass door or something. Or a, or a cabinet. No, 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 a drawer. You know how when you pull out a drawer, it moves in a straight line because it's on a track with the ball bearings and all that. Or uh, a track lighting situation, you know, where you can slide those lights back and forth. Boy, those are classy. <laughs> this is so classy. Or, I don't know, a, 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 what are those zipline things where you, where you jump off a platform in here? And if you don't let go, you don't fall to your death. You know, you go in a straight line, right? Imagine that mark, imagine that, that tool that you're drawing with is on a track. Now, the angle you've set, with holding it in your thumb and forefinger, creates the direction of that track. So the end, the blunt end of your drawing implement is pointing in one direction. The sharp end is pointing in another. It's a perfectly straight line. But you've put it at an angle. So now all you have to do is imagine that angle is a track. And when you slide the tool, drawing only slightly with the sharp end, you're essentially drawing with the side of it. Now, if it's a pencil, this is harder to do, but with a piece of chalk, it's easy as pie because you can draw with the side of a piece of chalk. And all you've done is put this implement on its side and noted an angle in space. And all you gotta do now is use the side of it 
to draw that angle. So you're keeping it on a track. You have to imagine that it's sliding on a track, and that track is set up at the angle you've measured. Okay? Am I doing am I doing that justice? So that it goes back and forth from tip to blunt end in a perfectly straight line. Because that's the measurement you've been trying to make. So if you get the angle in real space, and if you can get that angle to your paper, and if you can get the side of your drawing implement with that angle still measured to touch the paper, and then you can pull ever so gently that drawing implement so that it makes a mark either on its slight tip or on the side, like with a piece of chalk or charcoal, you can take a really accurate measurement of that angle. It's possible to do it. I've done it a million and one times. And it's the second most important skill in this particular part of drawing that you need. The first one is the measuring in the first place. That's the hard one. And that's going to take time and practice. Ain't no shortcut to that. The angle measurements are very important. Especially, no, there is no especially. They're just really important. It, ha it works with figure drawing. It works with an entire landscape. Imagine this. Okay, you're Bob Ross out there, but you only got a piece of charcoal. And you're trying to get that happy tree. What angle is that happy tree in front of you? Is it straight up and down? Probably not. It, it leans a little to the left. Well, how are you going to figure out how much to the left? You can guess. And at some point, you will be guessing. Or you can hold that drawing thing out in front of you and take a measurement. This ain't that important with trees and mountains or whatever. You can fudge those things. Nobody gives a shit. But if you're drawing a building or a room or whatever, it starts to get unbelievable. If you don't get... I don't mean like incredulous. I mean just unbelievable. If you, if you don't get some of these measurements at least partially accurate. Because we're very good as humans. Because we're surrounded by them. At, at spotting the inorganic... Uh, the straight lines in the inorganic. We're very good at it. <clears throat> now, the observation of angles and the ability to document angles will lead you into an understanding of perspective drawing. And it's really a matter of practice. There is no way, no shortcut, throw that. That's a hot one. It's difficult. It's extremely difficult. Why? Uh, because it's very theoretical, but when you've done the practice of it, of measuring the angles, and you understand how that works, and you've got it sort of down, wrote, there ain't no issue when somebody comes to you and says, here's the theory behind what you've been doing with observation. You go, oh yeah, I saw that. I've seen that. I know how that works. And even if I didn't learn this theory inside and out, like an architect from the Middle Ages or the pre-Renaissance... I could still do it. I could fake it more or less. And that's more important than anything. So once you understand, being able to fake with, with greater accuracy is even better. Ah, right. So that's what I'd be building toward. Angles are also important in comparative measure because if you can measure the angle of one thing, you can see either the similarity or the difference in the angle in another thing. And being able to compare... And, understand, and take the measurement of the comparison, compare and often contrast, those are skills that you develop in, in looking, not in seeing. Seeing is not an issue for people. Looking, looking is an issue. Ah, oh, there's a little dove. Ah, oh, I love those little guys. 
so sweet. He's like my bubby. They got these morning doves out here. They're so sweet. Oh, they're little buddies. I love those little buddies. Got a soft spot now. Just like my buddy Bebo. Love my little buddy. Okay. What am I talking about, Bubby? Uh, anyway, the angles, the angles. It's important. Once you can do comparative measurement, you're on your way to being able to draw. But a lot of the exercise takes place in your head and in these measurements. Now, it's frustrating, I think, to beginners. They don't want that. They want, they want results. Well, we like that with everything, really. You want results, I understand. But results are going to come from this exercise, unfortunately. That's the way it works. It's an unfortunate thing. Uh, getting through that frustration is often the biggest hurdle of all. So no, and no artist can tell you that in a book, uh, right? They tell you all these procedures and whatever, like I'm trying to do, but then they can't explain that. Oh, even to be able to do this procedure, you're going to have to have a lot of patience and repetition, repetition, repetition. That's frustrating. I, I and I can't lie to you. That is the hardest part of it at all, of all, because it's a lifelong struggle. Maybe it's empowering to even mention that. Most people don't mention that. And you may never be good at it. Oh, definitely nobody mentions that. Because we all like to believe we're going to be great at something someday if we put enough time and effort in. Hey, not necessarily. <laughs> Life don't necessarily play out that way. You'll be better, yes. You'll be better. That is a guarantee you'll be better. Good? Well, that's relative. Who knows? Who's to say? Some will be better than others. That's a hard fact. Hard motherfucking fact of life, as they say. As the saying goes. Okay, uh, that's it for me right now. Uh, I wish I could go back to that Def Leppard song. Ah, it's been playing in my head for 25 years anyway. All right, rock it, baby. Come on. Uh, All right, Leonard Angelo.